Hi, this is Kelly, and I'm here with Raj for the Extras podcast. Raj, can you tell us about what was our passage from last Sunday? Thanks, Kelly, and um, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Extras. It came to a, a cracker of a passage last week, Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 19 through to verse 25. I so wish I could have started earlier in Hebrews and gone later. Um, we did want to hone in on this section of Hebrews, though, because, um, well, for a couple of different reasons. One... Hebrews, as I hope people are seeing, it kind of weaves through different things and keeps returning to different things. Um, And so we wanted to focus on something that is unique in this section of Hebrews, and that is the whole issue around meeting together. And um, um, it's chapter 10, verse 19, that word, therefore, and as Sam Chan said last week, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you ask, what is the therefore, therefore? And it really is moving into the implications of the extended argument in Hebrews that has been there. Um, And it's there to help us persevere. And uh, it it really has three imperatives in this text. The first couple of verses, verses 19, um, uh, from verse 19 through to about 21, it really is recapping what all of Hebrews has been about, the superior Jesus And then there's three let us statements. So verse 22, let us draw near to God. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And then verse 24 is where I thought we would focus this week. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Great. Thanks, Raj. So we might start uh, because you've touched on there that, yeah, there's the three imperatives. Uh, you focused on the third one of those. Someone asked a question about why focus on meeting together in this passage rather than the other two let us statements, draw near to God and hold unswervingly, as you've said. Uh, is the flow of the passage a focus towards the meeting together command? Is that why you, you focused on that? Or are they three separate encouragements? I think there's a bit of both. Um, there's a few different questions there. Thank you for whoever put the question in. Um, as we looked at doing Hebrews in a term, we broke it up in a particular way to try to bring out all of the things that Hebrews talks about. So I, I do feel that, you know, in previous talks on Hebrews, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance. That's something we've talked a lot about. Let us hold unswervingly um, uh to the hope that we profess, that's also something that we've talked a lot about. So this time I wanted to, you know, certainly say that's there, here's the logic of the text. And at the same time, there is something distinctive about this particular text. And what is distinctive is about spurring one another on by meeting together. Um, And I I find it fascinating, the very next verses, verses 26 and so on, again, we we return to strong warning passages in Hebrews What is the antidote? Um, In this context, it's meeting together. And here is the clearest place in the whole of the Bible that talks about the importance of meeting, priority of meeting together. Um, So I thought I'd take the opportunity to really do a deep dive into that issue. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I find when I read this passage, I can easily like think about the first two imperatives as just something I do in isolation. But I find like... Like uh, the let us draw near to God can think, oh, well, that's something I can do independently. Yeah. But yet, but yet, as I was reflecting on this, I thought, oh, it's interesting because it's still let us. It's not saying imperative you, 
but the rather the let us like there's it's even something kind of yep. communal in the three things yep. that I find that kind of focusing on that third one reminds me like oh yeah that actually we we can do all those three things yeah it's a very helpful comment Kelly sometimes we um, can so deconstruct things that we don't see the connections like that mm. that that happen yeah and this does bring in the communal element. Um, it is interesting. We live in a very individualistic age yeah. and it's worth asking sometimes how does that impact our reading, interpretation, focus, yeah. desire to cling to certain things but let others go in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. I remember hearing someone speak on Hebrews once and saying, remember that well, all of, like the Bible is written, it's, it's first written as a letter to a community, not just to individuals. And as you're saying, as an individualistic society, we just think it's all just a personal, just with me thing. Anyway, okay, next question. Uh, so you read Hebrews 10.25. You've just referred to that verse and read that out. Uh, someone has asked that you used the word apostasy in regards to Hebrews 10.25. What does that mean and can you provide an example? Sure. Uh, apostasy Sorry, yes, I, I did talk about this several weeks ago. Um, the term apostasy, it really just means turning your back on Jesus in this context. Um, and that is just the overwhelming concern of Hebrews about drifting, about keeping your eyes fixed on, about, you know, it even kicks off very strongly listening to the Son. That's how, that's the one for whom God now speaks. And all throughout, an alternative theme we could have gone for from Hebrews, we've chosen to hold fast, but we also could have gone for Jesus is superior. Um, um, the agenda in Hebrews is remember Jesus is superior don't abandon him, don't turn your back on him that's what apostasy is and so what's an example well I think uh, among our church I'm sure that we know of several examples of the pain of seeing people who looked like they knew Jesus who looked like they were Christians but they get to a point in their life where they have turned their back on him and it's it's very sad, I, I think, over the course of the series in different congregations, I've shared stories like a guy went to uni. If you look like at uni, um, he was, when he became a Christian, it just looked like that drove his life. I ran into him a few years after uni in a restaurant of all places for lunch. I wasn't seeing him, I was with other people. And he just told me he's thrown it all in. Mm. He's turned his back on Jesus. He's apostatized. Mm. Yeah. So there's one example. Um, I guess the causes sitting behind it, which may be where this question is probing, there's a myriad of causes. Um, and I find it interesting in the light of the myriad of causes, Hebrews' method to try to help us not do so, it, does, it keeps doing the same thing, pointing us to a superior Jesus and filling out the ways in which he is superior. Yeah. Thanks. So this one might test your memory. So it is Friday when we're recording this. Uh, <laughs> so Sunday was a few days ago. Um, can you expand more on the points about the importance of meeting together that you invited Night Church to ask about so you could talk about it on the Extras podcast with a smiley face? <laughs> um, this is testing my memory. Um, I think when we talked about it, yeah. uh, you were thinking... You're thinking something about the shift that has happened um, to it all being like 
it's all about your heart that matters and not about what you do. Oh, yes, yes. So, yes, I did um, make a tantalising comment at night church, so thank you for the person who picked it up. I think what's happened over, I'm not just talking about two or three years, I'm talking about the Christian reformed environment in the last 30 or 40 or 50 years. And if you go back some time, now not many will be able to remember this part, but um, and this is one of the things I was alluding to. I think Christian leaders, and I include myself, um, have have maybe just let us down in this area over time. That is, I don't think we've talked much about the importance of meeting together in church. It is crystal clear in Hebrews. And I think one of the issues going on there, it's something like this. So 40, 50 years ago, there were so many people who came to churches for whom their heart was not impacted by the gospel. Um, the whole issue of nominalism was a very real issue. It's hard to believe that these days. Mm. But what happened then for Christian leaders, quite rightly, that people tried to talk about the importance of um, the gospel gripping someone's heart. We didn't want people to be nominals. And so we, um, we started saying things like, and it's true, um, what matters is trusting in Jesus, nothing else matters. And that is completely true. But we didn't talk in the same... In The Bible balances that with saying, for example, James chapter 2, faith without deeds is dead. Um, here, meet together and a whole lot of things. And we didn't, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, we could go on and on and on. So I think over a period of time, we just didn't quite get that for understandable reasons, for good reasons. And so I just I just think now we're in a day and age. Nominalism is not an issue in churches, you may have noticed. <laughs> um, now the issue in church, or one issue, is things like this passage, the importance of meeting together. Mm. And it doesn't, I think we all know this, I could feel this as I was preaching on Sundays at North Rocks in my church, and that is, um, it is very easy now to find reasons not to meet together. And those statistics I talked about, um, made of mine, said people overestimate their church attendance by 17%. I'm delighted that people think it's important to be at church, um, but it's very easy for us not to. Yeah. So that's what I was meaning, just the, you know, the over. Um, the other thing I alluded to, there's a horizontal dimension and a vertical dimension. There's a vertical dimension, you know, the magnification area is really trying to help us magnify God in that vertical dimension as we meet together. But this text, it's about the horizontal dimension, what happens with each other. Yeah. So next question. Uh, it's one of the challenges when you're encouraging a group of people saying, hey, don't give up meeting together, keep coming to church. You're doing that at church. How do we get the message out to those who are not there at church on that day? Are you just preaching to the choir? Um, well, I can tell from Connect Cards that many people were impacted by God's word, as we would expect. Mm. But I think it's a great question. How do we, and maybe maybe this is an opportunity, Kelly, for us to, I'll ask you in a moment. Um, one of my thoughts is it's wonderful to be concerned for people who aren't at church. Well done. We'll just ask the question to those listening to the extras engaging in this. 
who is it you know who needs to hear this? Mm. And what can you do to help them hear it? Mm. Um, our growth group studies are mirrored, so well, that might be a bit late by the time you're listening. Um, talk to them and say, look, I was really challenged with this part of Hebrews, the context of falling away, mm. you know, can, I think in the course of a sermon, I made confessions about my past. Mm. Share those things with each other. Try to provoke discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe, like, if if there's someone that you who you know who is often not at church, that you know the person that you're thinking, oh, I wish they were here to hear this, like, gently but and lovingly. But being able to to maybe catch up with them for a coffee and say, "Hey, can I talk to you about something? I've noticed you're not you're not so regular at church anymore, and I'm really I'm really worried. Can we talk about that? Um, and yeah, actually have a conversation. Um, obviously, you want to do that gently and with love. But yeah, if there is someone that you're worried about, why don't you talk to them? Let them know that you miss them because I think sometimes people might not turn up because they feel like oh, I want, no one will notice anyway. Let, send them a message and say, hey, I missed you at church tonight. And that might be the thing that helps them come next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, also an interesting thing, I looked up some, uh, just some little stats, thinking about, uh, yeah, like, like you mentioned, uh, your friend's book that talks about we overestimate how often we're at church. Um, and it was hard to see some of the stats because at the moment it included Christmas Day, which we didn't record, we, we didn't, we don't know who was at church. We didn't record who was at church on Christmas Day, each person. Um, but, for example, at night church, we have 348 names on the kind of the role of people who would consider themselves a, a regular person at night church, but yet we average 250 people. So on any Sunday, there's just under 100 people who consider themselves regulars who aren't there. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why someone isn't at church, um, and many of them are valid reasons that they can't, you know, they can't actually be there for, for various reasons. But there are also going to be, among that, reasons that come up that it just feels easier to not go to church, to choose to do something else or to just stay at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think all of us, yeah, thinking about, oh, do I actually go as regular as I think? And um, is that what is that is that how I want to be living? Yeah. Um, yeah. My encouragement. I preached in North Rockson Night Church, and I think I told the same story of a, a relatively new family to church, actually, <laughs> who have been coming to early morning church, and with two young children. Yeah. Seven forty-five a.m. Sunday morning, <laughs> they brought toys and other things. And I've noticed, you know, they sit there taking furious notes. After several weeks, I, I kind of said to them, what's going on? I mean, it wasn't lovely to see them. I was curious. And, and they shared with me what they do. Because she has to work on Sundays. And they want to be at church as a family together. And so whenever she's rostered on to work, they come to early morning church, all four of them. And then after that, she goes to work and he takes the two kids to North Rocks so they can be part of kids' church and get to know other. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I mean, I just... 
I understand things come up and I just think there's something in this passage here uses the word habit and now it's saying don't be in the negative habit of not meeting together. Flip that around, get into the positive habit of meeting together. Um, over the years, and I've been doing this way before I was here at St Paul's, I encourage people, if you can't come to your particular congregation, that is, that is the thing we want to encourage so you get to know the same group of people. But things do come up. We live in a 24-7 society. Mm. Um, go to a different congregation. Stay in the habit. Thanks. So, uh, some now, a couple of questions here um, that you can feel the bit of the pain in uh, the people that have been vulnerable and put these questions in. Um, firstly, for someone who is at church every week and still doesn't see growth in their faith, isn't that indicative of the church's inability to convict and challenge its members rather than their attendance rate? Yeah, as you said, Kelly, you can feel the pain, can't you? Mm. Um, look, I want to say to someone who's in this category, I'm really sorry that this is where things mm. are up to for you. Mm. Um, it is very hard in the context of an extras podcast and not knowing what's behind this mm. to say constructive things mm. um, and so I just want to encourage this person to reach out please to someone on the team mm. um, would love to talk with you more about this your assumption about the church's inability that that, that might be right mm. that might totally be right and mm. I do know um, various people who have in fact chosen to join St Paul's because where they mm. were that's this is exactly what was happening they felt I haven't dug into those reasons or whatever it is they've said to me that here at St Paul's things are very different um, so there's just it is a reality, it can be a reality but there's also other possibilities mm. and I think yeah for someone I just want to encourage this person, please take the next step, whoever it is you feel comfortable with on our team, please reach out mm. and we would dearly love to try to pray with you and talk with you more about this and see what's going on mm. how we can help and i think this is a challenge to all of us as a church and when i'm saying that i'm not just saying the the church as in the pastors but all of us who are members of st paul's to think about what are the conversations we're having with one another over morning tea or after the service like are we actually thinking about how we can be encouraging one another in our faith, to grow in our faith? Because it's, I'm not sure if this question is coming from just thinking about not feeling convicted during the sermon, um, but then what else is, what's what's happening in, in conversations as we meet together in, our, in community, uh, as our growth groups meet together? Like, what are the things we're talking about? Are we thinking, oh, how can I be encouraging others? Um, and how can I be spurring them on? Because I think that would be a great mindset um, for us all to yeah. have. Yeah. I think one other thing that I, I'd, I'd want to say on this um, is if this, again, we don't know exactly the, the, question, the context of the question, but if this question is coming from particularly thinking about the sermon, because they've used the inability to convict and challenge, which makes me think they're talking about... Um, this at any point and at any, at, on any day the sermon in church I just 
I want to encourage us to remember that um, I think one of the wonderful things at St Paul's is that we have a bunch of different preachers and they all have a, a, a bunch of different preaching styles and some of us will find some preachers preaching styles easier to listen to or easier to find the points to be challenged and convicted about and others will find other styles easier. We don't we don't all the same style doesn't appeal to all of us. Um, and so one of the lovely things is because we always do have different preachers each Sunday uh, at, at any congregation, that's a great thing about getting to hear different preachers and different see different preaching styles. Um, and so some, yeah, just recognise that some, some will more naturally, you'll find it easier uh, to hear and be challenged. But at the same time, Something I'm very thankful about is that all of our preachers faithfully teach the word of God and it's God's spirit that convicts and challenges us when his word is spoken. Um, when I first went along to a church before I'd even become a Christian, uh, it was a, I'm not going to say the name of the church because I, I hate to give this person away. I don't even remember their name now, but the pastor they had at the time, they have had a history of like well-known pastors at this church, but the pastor at the time was not particularly well known. He was not known as a great preacher. And yet every Sunday I was visiting as a non-Christian, he faithfully opened God's word. And I was so blown away that God's word applied to my day-to-day -day life. And I look back at that now and think, he, he, was, he was just faithfully preaching the word and God used that as part of my becoming a Christian. Like God's spirit was challenging me, convicting me by his word as it was preached faithfully. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we do. We have another question that's um, similar again in that kind of vein, but uh, what can we do when we want to continue in Christ and we've tried to come to church with the aim of caring for and serving others as you encouraged, but we still don't feel connected or cared for? I feel like it's, it's another question that, you can hear the pain in it and, yeah. Yeah. What would you say here, Kelly? Oh, um, I think I'd want to start and say, I'm sorry that you don't feel connected and cared for. Um, again, obviously, we don't know who sends in these questions. Um, and so we don't know the situation. Uh, I think, yeah, there's always room for us as a church and as a church community to grow in looking out for people that might not feel connected or cared for. Um, sometimes it can be easy to just, uh, because of our own insecurities, we just go and talk to our friends, the people we know, um, but to be thinking, oh, to just keeping that eye out and thinking, does anyone look like they're just kind of on their own um, and how can I bring them in? I think we always want to try and have those kind of open circles. It's natural that we have friendship groups. Uh, it's natural that we'll have groups of friends from growth groups, things like that. But how can we keep including people in and make sure people aren't being left out? Um, so I think it's great for all of us to keep thinking about that. Um, I think I just once again want to encourage people in this category. Um, and I know this this is the case. Um, I just want to encourage people, please reach out to someone you feel comfortable on our team. We'd love mm -hmm. to talk to you more about it. We'd love to understand um, what it is we as a church can do. We'd love to understand 
and just you know what is it this if you're like this what is it maybe you can do a bit differently yeah um maybe it's not even as simple as that but at the very least just to be able to pray that god would work and turn things around yeah yeah there can so often be can be all sorts of things behind not feeling when we don't feel connected or cared for um one sometimes and i'm not saying that this is the case here because obviously i don't know the the context of the person who asked this question but i think sometimes um we can often all of us can often have uh expectations and when they're unmet we feel disappointed we can feel hurt but often we we've never actually vocalized those expectations to someone nor has someone uh, agreed to that so you know some we someone might not come and speak to us at church one day and we feel a bit like oh they didn't come and say hello to me um the reality is most of us are all dealing with our own insecurities and they're probably feeling inse- the person's probably feeling insecure and that's why they didn't come and speak to me but sometimes we forget that and yeah. we think oh no they <laughs> they're annoyed or yeah they they didn't notice me actually they're probably just yeah worried about what's going on in their yeah in their world as well um yeah yeah so i, I do I, I i think that's helpful to be aware to learn to be aware of our own expectations and uh is that what's driving why we feel disappointed um and i just want to encourage all of us to be vulnerable with one another if if you're feeling a bit disconnected Talk to someone, talk to a friend at church and say, hey, I feel kind of disconnected. Can can you help me to, to you seem you seem to feel quite connected. Can you help me to to feel to grow in my feeling of connection with people here? What could I be doing? Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, so slight change of tack here. Uh, what part do fruits of the spirit, for example, speaking in tongues, play in a close relationship with Jesus? Cool. This must have come out through Peter's sermons, um, where he was. But look, when I think about fruits of the spirit, I, the, the place in the Bible that most clearly talks about this is in Galatians. Um, and I'm just going to turn up to Galatians chapter 5 now. And read out this these great verses. Um, so Galatians chapter five. Let me go from verse sixteen. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, and then I'll skip down. There's a sort of headline that's trying to really exhort us to walk uh, by the Spirit of God uh, for those of us who have come to Jesus. And um, because we have freedom in Christ at the start of Galatians chapter 5, we then are free to stand firm in Christ and to live by the Spirit. And so it comes talking about what that means. And really it's trying to say, put put off the acts of the, the flesh or the sinful nature in verse 19. There's a whole list of things in that category. And then it comes to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And, and then it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so the way the Bible talks about 
fruits of the spirit, it's talking about it in the context of um, living as a disciple of Christ Jesus. So it's a very important thing, this, and, and we can all imagine what a wonderful world it would be to live in if everyone lived um, with the fruit of the spirit as their predominant thing as opposed to the acts of the flesh. Um, so, so I would say they, well, what the Bible says, it has a very close relationship with walking in Jesus. And Galatians 5, it's one of the wonderful parts of the Bible that talks about it, uses that exact term. And it's echoed throughout so many other places um, in the Bible, particularly in the epistles. Um, yeah, so that's what I would say. I don't even know how to talk about the speaking in tongues mentioned in the brackets here, um, because I don't think the Bible term applies the term fruits of the Spirit to speaking in tongues. I think. Have you stand free. Thanks, Raj. Uh, Next question, uh, we got two questions very similar, so I'll read it as one because they touch on the same thing. Um, what can teenagers do to communicate with their non-Christian parents the importance of coming to church regularly? Some find it difficult to come to church when families schedule events uh, that clash because they're not Christian. So yeah. non-Christian family yeah. plan family events and it makes it hard for them to get to, to youth group or church. What can they do? Yeah. Look, wonderful question here, which I take it is coming from teenagers in this situation. So thank you for asking. I think it's important to remember, so here we're talking in Hebrews 10, it talks about don't give up meeting together. Other parts of the Bible say other things. Here is an example where potentially we have two things that are in conflict mm. because the Bible speaks just as clearly about obeying your parents. Mm. So my encouragement is... Um, one, and there's other people in this situation too, um, by all means, work out loving ways to share with your parents how important it is for you to be at church and that you want to. Mm. I think most parents, when they hear that you want to, it's not out of an obligation kind of thing. Mm. Most parents I know would want to accommodate that, even non-Christian ones. Mm. So I think if you can lovingly express that, that's, that's excellent. Um, secondly, what are the other ways if... So I, I do want to encourage people in this category to obey their parents. Mm. You know, even if someone in the extreme case says, don't go to church ever, don't go to youth group ever. Mm. Um, I, I think we do need to remember for at that stage of life, particularly when you're living under the roof of someone mm. and you're under 18 and at school, mm. the Bible speaks to that situation too. Mm. Um, and I think you can actually have a role evangelistically with your parents mm. by showing them the quality of your faith. Mm. So, but then how can you compensate that for other, with other things? Mm. So be it at school or be it at uni or whatever the case may be, um, we do live in a world where many, not all, but many schools have Christian groups. Mm. There is a place you can compensate. I thoroughly appreciate it's not everything and it's not ideal, mm. but for a, a period of life, mm. that may just be the best you can do. Mm. Yeah. Do you have thoughts? Yeah, it's a it's a hard one. I I became a Christian. I was nineteen uh, in a non Christian family, so I didn't have that same experience. I'd finished school. I was already at university, uh, but I was still living at home, and 
yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky for your parents navigating that suddenly if their kids become a Christian and them understanding that you think this is important and not just a, you feel obligated now to have to be at church every week. Um, so I just want to say, like, we get that this is hard and this is a tricky situation. Um, and for those who have, have the privilege of growing up in Christian families who have valued going to church, that is a great privilege. And I hope you thank God for that. Um, but remember that there are uh, many people in our church who uh, may be the only Christian in their family and that brings some special challenges. Uh, I would love to think that if we had, let's say, teenagers, because this is these, both these questions t- particularly talked about youth and teenagers, who, whose parents were really not wanting them to be at church, that let's think about how, if it's someone in a assault year group, how can that year group keep connecting with them and what could they be doing using like to, to be able to connect with that person, to encourage them, maybe maybe some someone's at the same school, they could read the Bible together or they're they're already friends and they could read the Bible at some other time during the week. But you know, like I'd love to think that as a church, um, if someone was in a situation where particularly parents were like you are not going, we don't want you going to church at all. Um, if that was the case, like let's think about how their Christian brothers and sisters can encourage them in a way that's appropriate, uh, particularly if it's their friends or yeah. something like that. What, yeah, that's what do you think? right. Yeah. yeah, there will be some people, I know people in this situation at St Paul's, you know, where there is parental pressure. Yeah. And there's a great opportunity for others to. Yeah. I found for me, I didn't, um, so sort of in the first couple of years of being a Christian, there wasn't pressure, there wasn't like a, you know, forbidding me to go to church, anything like that. It wasn't that antagonistic at all. Um, But they touched on here the idea of like when families schedule family events and that was the thing that I kept coming up against was, you know, at first it was, oh, let's do a late Sunday lunch, but then suddenly it was like starting at, five o'clock when I had to be church started at six. And so working out, you know, yeah, not I knew that I couldn't really get to church on time if I was at that regularly. Uh, and so I think just being able to say, sometimes it might be that you go for the, the, the first week to the dinner and then say, look, it's really important for me that I go to church each week. It's also really important for me to spend time with my family. Can we move this to lunch? Can we, like, try and, if you're able try and take some initiative in organising it at a time that would work better, that still demonstrates to your family that you love them and want to spend time with them. You know, you could even go the whole hog and say, I'll organise it yeah. <laughs> and organise every part of it. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Um, sorry, I've lost, uh, lost my spot. Oh, no, here we go. Oh, this is a great question as well. In as much as we're called into Christian community in Hebrews, do you think that we can get caught up in this and only choose to hang out with Christian friends and neglect non-Christian friends and evangelism? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Next question. (laughs) Um. Sorry. In all honesty, I don't. I think this is a great question, and you know, the key word in the question is the word only, and. This is, this is pro- prodding us to get the balance right. We had Sam Chan last week who was trying to help us in this very area. Um, and and one of the takeaways from that was it's not a, a three-minute 
exercise to invite someone. It's a far more extensive. So I think we have to get the balance on this right. Um, and so I just I want to commend what's going on with this question. Let, let's remember the non-Christian world as well. Yeah. God has left us in the world to reach people. It's one of the things I find really helpful. Like obviously we've we've shifted to the M's at church. We we think about the the life of church with the M's, but I also find it really helpful just as I think about my Christian life myself. Thinking it's a it's a way of thinking about my own Christian life. How am I going in those five areas? Because all of us will tend towards a couple of them over others, and it will vary for each person which M's they tend towards. But for me, it's really helpful to kind of hold myself accountable and think, am I am I focusing on a couple of areas of my Christian life and neglecting others? Um, which, yeah, can absolutely be a thing with, we can spend so much time just thinking about meeting with other Christians that we, we don't make any time to meet with non-Christians. Yeah. Okay, the next question, I am assuming it was something that you said in your sermon, I'm hoping, because I don't really understand it, if not. Uh, the woman in incredible danger, what was the response to those signs? Yeah, I think I know what this is talking about. I, I did talk about, um, a in a past church, a woman who was in incredible danger, and in this case she was in a relationship with a non-Christian man, and one of her first warning signs was declining regularity of church and then she stopped serving and then she stopped being at church. Um, and that was just, I'm trying to just say, church attendance can be and often is a litmus test for other things. Mm-hmm. Now, what was the response to those signs? Um, in this particular case, and this is not always the case, but in this particular case, a number of people, myself included, sat down with her in fact, she ended up saying to me, Raj, I can't explain this to the man. Can you? I said, sure. When did you have in mind? She said, well, he'll be here in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, so a number of us sat down, prayed mm. with her, for her. Um, there were lots and lots of conversations. And this was a case I was so proud of the Christian community mm. in trying but I fully appreciate in many other situations we don't. And I want to encourage, like, like you did earlier, I want to encourage people. Mm-hmm. This is a let us, this is a mutual, this is a mm-hmm. plural, this is a horizontal dimension. Mm-hmm. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a few more to go. Um, a bit of an interesting one next. How I'm just going to read it out as it was written. How can you, St Paul's Carlingford, Wonder why Christians haven't sought out others. When you personally, during lockdown, made church about how we should be obeying laws and how we shouldn't meet together. When church should be about Christ and coming together, not about political policy and the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. What do you want to say to that, Raj? Um, The first thing I think I want to say is there's a lot of pain for someone here. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to this person to reach out um, to me or someone else on the team and to talk more about it. I think the time over COVID, be it in church life or in any other aspect of life, were unique times in recent history of the world. Mm. And, um, yeah, so there's things here I'm not quite sure that... I'm not sure that we made church about obeying laws... 
um, as opposed to meeting together. Mm-hmm. I, I think all concerned, be it St Paul's or another church, are doing their best to work out how is it we obey the laws, how is it we mm-hmm. understand the health dangers that were going on, mm-hmm. um, how is it we foster Christian community in the best way we can, mm-hmm. which might not be the best, mm-hmm. might not be the ideal, but the best we can do with the circumstances that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in the process of doing that, I remember when I was here and I came midway through COVID, that you know we were concerned to understand where our church community was up to. We asked, we did surveys, we tried to understand. <clears throat> um, I don't think, I don't think I spoke about vaccinated or unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. I know other churches did, but as far as I was aware, that was not an issue here at St Paul's. Okay. Predominantly, so I would love this person just to reach out. There's a whole lot of things going on, mm-hmm. um, and I just think overall, I just want to encourage. I know this was that period was a particularly challenging time for Christian leaders, mm-hmm. church leaders, religious leaders across the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people were doing their best, made in jars of clay, to work out, to pivot, to learn new skills of live streaming, to Mm. preach into cameras, to... um, I don't want to be back there myself. (laughs) Absolutely. So just a couple more questions. Um, Again, uh, yeah, these two questions... I just want to thank the people that have asked these questions. Uh, again, these are you feel the, the pain that is behind these questions uh, and how tricky it can be for some people. So firstly, how do we encourage those with chronic illness to not give up meeting together or people that have families that are hostile to Jesus? Um, again, it's touching on the like that we talked about with the youth, um, but particularly, I guess, for this one, what about people with chronic illness yeah. for who it is really hard to get yeah. to church or sometimes impossible? And yeah. we, we have and, people and in that situation. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I think the way to approach this theologically is to, similar to before, you know, here the Bible talks about meeting together. The Bible talks about other things as well. The Bible mm-hmm. helps us understand we're in an imperfect world. And sometimes it's called a retrieval ethic, which means what is the best you can do in imperfect circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so that's the framework I would encourage people to use. So I think personally and partially, you know, if this is someone or if someone's in this situation and they haven't reached out to someone on our team or me, I'd love to mm-hmm. hear from them. I would love to hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, a framework to work it through, it's we're in an imperfect, imperfect circumstances, what is mm-hmm. the best you can do? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that can be hard to be objective about. These things matters, can be matters of the heart. Um, but I think you can also tell the difference between people. I think of someone in my mind at the moment. They have all of this stuff on. They genuinely want to meet with people. And when circumstances change, they do instantly. Mm-hmm. But I think I've seen other people in the past, mm-hmm. not at St Paul's, of course, but other people. You can, you can tell when people make excuses and their heart's somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would encourage someone to try to work it through. Mm. And I feel like I'd want to encourage, so if we're thinking about someone who has chronic illness that does make it either very difficult or impossible for them to come to church, I'd want to encourage the people around them, don't forget them. 
it's easy just to 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 think about the people that we see at church and not and then think oh that person doesn't come along anymore but if if we know they're not coming because of chronic illness why not reach out to them why not try and connect with them and um yeah i'd love to I'd love to see people taking that initiative uh, to connecting with someone in the, if 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 there's someone they know in that circumstance, um, yeah, to connect with them and just to try and help them feel that bit connected and that we still that you still care, show them that you still love them, mm. uh, even when they're not able to be at church each week. Uh, okay, so a final question: how how do you change your outlook on church? don't know if that's a phrase you particularly used in your sermon uh, when your anxiety or depression make that wildly difficult great question to finish on mm. and and look i need to keep comments brief i'm aware of the time and how long this is and other things as well but i just want to say anxiety and depression are very real things mm. and i know many people for whom they might they make being around people and functioning and interacting with people, very, very challenging and difficult. Mm. So first thing I want to say is, please, if you have anxiety or depression, and if you're someone who's out there listening and thinking, do I, maybe I do, you can go onto a website called Beyond Blue and do a very quick online check mm. in the privacy of yourself and your computer, mm. and it will come up and give you a bit of a litmus test as to mm. how you're travelling. Um and if you are in that situation, I really want to encourage you to go and see your GP firstly and get some help mm. and and then to get a referral to a counsellor or a psychologist mm. um, to help you work through that. Mm. One of the things they will talk to you about at the right time, and the right time is not necessarily at the start, is um, doing things like picking one thing to work on and integrating with people. And you, you can't do that in all areas of life straight away. Mm. But, but that's the process that needs to happen over a period of time. Mm. So, so I know people that have been encouraged, look, this is going to be hard, this is going to take energy, pick one thing. Mm. And maybe that's coming to church, maybe that's going to growth group, maybe it's something else. Mm. And for a period of time, um, you're not, not able to do that. Again, we're in an imperfect world, and this mm. is the retrieval ethic, making the, the best of what you can. Um, this situation, anxiety, depression, is a bit different to a chronic illness mm. because the anxiety or depression is something mm. where I started was trying to help encourage people to get the help they need. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think uh, just quickly I'd like to say a couple of things on that. Uh, if if you were listening to Raj and going, yeah, yeah, and then when he said, go and get a referral see, so you can see a psychologist or counsellor and you thought, I don't have the money for that, Please let us know. We will. We if if that's an issue, we we wouldn't want the you can't afford to pay for a psychologist to be the thing that stops you. So please let us know, and we will work out a way to be able to help you with that. Um, also, what I could I feel like I keep talking to the friends, but I want to say if if you have a friend at church who has anxiety or depression, can I encourage you to send them a message and say hey. Would you like to meet before church and walk in together? Because actually sometimes the walking in and the not knowing who you're going to sit with can be the things that are the most crippling and the the things that stop someone coming. So why don't you 
offer to, you could meet up for a coffee beforehand and then arrive at church together or meet them in the car park, walk in together and sit with them and then just make sure you stay sitting with them afterwards. Others might come over, but it, that can often make it easier for someone who's who's struggling with anxiety or depression in that moment to feel like they have a safe person there um, and they're not going to end up in a conversation that they they find really hard. So, yeah, I'd encourage you to do that. Great thoughts, Karen. Yeah. Well, I think we're at the end of the extras today. And so thank you, everyone, for joining us. Kelly, thank you. Um, this coming Sunday, we have, well, the North Rocks weekend away is on. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a great time, particularly for those North Rocks. And um, um, at Carlingford, we have um, Hebrews chapter 11, which is all about faith. So I think Peter's going to be preaching. Um, it's going to be a great time. Thank you for joining us on the Extras, and we'll see Thanks. you next time. See you later.